When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The infatuation part that Kobe didn't like, but which Helen and I liked, that for me was the interesting thing. Rewatching Twilight, little kind of low budget film as it was at the time. That was what I was fascinated mm. by. It was a real, like, linchpin film in in so many ways, pushing forward into things like Hunger Games and mm. Maze Runner and all of those that that sprang off the back of Twilight. I think it's more than earned its place both as a teen movie and as a vampire film. The acting between them and this kind of like otherworldly weirdness going on, it's really great. I really enjoyed it. I think it's too long. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Flix Watcher. Joining us today, we have James. Hi, nice to see you again. Ben. Hello. And as always, Kobe. Yo. And we're here to review Twilight. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have James and Ben. If you would like to say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello, I'm James King and I'm a film writer and broadcaster and uh, I've been on the show before. Very happy to be back. And there seem to be two things actually that I always talk about on this podcast one is Keanu Reeves and the other are teen movies. And <laughs> I think I'll be talking about both of those again today. So um, no change there. But yes, yeah, lovely to see you again. Uh, hi, I'm Ben Travis. I uh, am a film journalist. I work for Empire magazine uh, and especially the, the website empireonline.com. And I contribute to the Empire podcast as well. So yeah, lovely to be on. Thanks. Well, oh, thank Thanks you for, for, thank you for joining us. Um, well, this is we're going to go to a team movie, as you kind of alluded to, uh, James, in this. But you you said you talk about Keanu Reeves. You talk about Twilight today, but you've got a book out which out, is out at the moment called "Be More Keanu." Why have you not chosen a Keanu Reeves film? Is the is the is the is the obvious question here? Yeah. Well, I, the last time I was on, I spoke about John Wick three Parabellum. So um, <laughs> I thought, well, we kind of ticked that box. 
Um, and I know that you've covered other Keanu Reeves films anyway. I did think about The John Lake Two. House. <laughs> I thought about The Lake House, which is on Netflix. I didn't know if I wanted to put you through that. I mean, I love, I, I kind of have a weird soft spot for The Lake House, but I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. So I was, um, I just thought for a change, and, and for a number of reasons, actually, that I'll get onto later, um, I thought I'll do a, a, a non-Keanu film and choose um, something that was a bit of a, cultural landmark um back in the noughties well i think um i did i was myself and helen were chatting on whatsapp and i was like how come we didn't pick a keanu film and you said there's no key keanu films left that we haven't talked about already but literally like the day after parenthood came on there which isn't known as being a keanu film but i think it still has one of his best performances ever in 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 film and i still i, I love there's that one scene guys if you haven't seen parenthood go and watch because steve martin's great in it and there's lots of cool bits in it, but Keanu's got a really cool scene, which I'm just like, every time I'm like, <gasps> so cool. <laughs> and of course uh, he's and atypical of Keanu. He's in there with uh, Leaf Phoenix, as he was yeah. known then, now R- River Phoenix. Um, and of course Keanu was very good friends with Leaf slash River's brother, um, River Phoenix. Uh, sorry, yeah. Leaf slash Joaquim's brother, River Phoenix. Um, I'm getting my Phoenix is confused. And, and when it was the Oscars this year, Keanu presented uh an awards with diane keaton and there was a lovely shot that the camera um, operator got of of joaquin phoenix in the audience because obviously he was nominated for joker um and it was just it was just a moment that i thought that is purely for parenthood fans just there's a sort of a, a shot of joaquin aka leaf looking lovingly at keanu on the stage and i thought yep someone's a parenthood fan and they put that in just for us well thank you very much for that guys uh we're not gonna have a i guess we're not gonna have a and Academy Awards in the same way this year. We'll see. We'll see. But we're talking today, James. This is your choice. We're talking about Twilight. Can you tell us um, why you chose Twilight and what happens in a minute or less? Twilight is about teenage Bella Swan. She moves from Arizona to rainy Washington State um, in the northwest of, of America uh, to be with her dad. So moves from living with her mum to go and live with her dad. And when she's there, she meets the mysterious Edward Cullen with his fabulous hair and his equally mysterious family and their equally fabulous hair uh, and learns about this ancient secret war between local vampires and werewolves whilst falling (laughs) head over heels in love with Moody Edward, who is, we find out, a cold one. Uh, which always makes me think of a beer in the fridge. Uh, but actually, a cold one Cracking is... open a cold one with the boys. Exactly, <laughs> yes. But that means he is one of those vampires. He is an immortal blood sucker. So I guess the premise, and, and this is what hooked so many people in at the time, is what do you do if you fall in love with a vampire? If you're human and you fall in love with uh, an immortal, how does that work? And is that why you, you chose it for us? Because you wanted to discuss what you would do? <laughs> Um, I chose it because it just, Twilight seems to be a little bit in the air again at the moment. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of Robert Pattinson around at the moment because of Tenet on the big screen, because of the Batman filming, because of Robert Pattinson getting coronavirus and the Batman stopping filming. And we saw him in The Lighthouse as well earlier this year. So he's had, I mean, I can't say it's a good year because he's got ill, but, you know, he's had a, professionally, he's certainly been back in the spotlight uh, over the last 12 months. Um, So I think having just seen Tenet, I was, you know, thinking about Robert Pattinson again. Not someone who I would say is 
a brilliant actor in the traditional sense, in the sort of, you know, Meryl Streep, Daniel Day-Lewis sense, but actually who I think just has this lovely sort of loose, dishevelled, casual way about him that I always really enjoy watching. Um, And then also last week I saw some news about a film called Happier Season, which is Kristen Stewart's new film. She plays Mm -hmm. Bella in the movie, obviously, um, which is, uh, I think it's described as a lesbian Christmas rom-com, which I I can't think of any others. It's probably a first. Um, (laughs) And so she, that's coming out over Christmas. So that looks good. You know, it's got real good buzz about it. Aubrey Plaza's in it and Dan Levy. So lots of people I like. Claire Duval directed it. If you know your nineties teen films. Oh, Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. Claire Duval from The Faculty back in the day. So, you know, that, that looks really interesting. So that that mm. was another thing that I saw last week that got me thinking again about Twilight. And then there's lots of adverts for the Twilight season on MTV. I think they're showing them all again on MTV. And I keep seeing these ads for it. So it just seemed to me that, that Twilight was sort of reaching out and saying, yes, rediscover me, revisit me. It's time to go back to, to the original uh, story that came out in 2008. So, oh, and of course, there's a new Stephanie Meyer book out um, who wrote oh, you yeah, know, the true. Twilight books. And I think this one, she's done what E.L. James did with Fifty Shades of Grey. And she's just retold the story, but from Edward's point of view this time, uh, like E.L. James did with Christian Grey's point of view, which uh, I haven't read it, so I can't comment. But, you know, so Twilight is definitely uh, around again, and it does feel like it's perhaps ripe for a, a revival of sorts and also it's prominently there on your bookshelf and we people oh, yes. who are listening can't see it but uh you must be you must see it every single time you walk into that room well no i put it out there because because <laughs> i actually got the quote the, the, uh, this is another oh, reason shit. is that this is my quote here and twilight really ties in with my time um at radio one so um, just read out the movie quote oh, people i mean it's can't. i mean this took me bloody hours to come up with this is poetry the must-see movie of the year. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, come Where'd on. You get that? Where did you draw that one from? I mean, it's unbelievable, <laughs> right? Um, but, uh, yeah, because it the Twilight Saga ties in with my time at Radio 1, and obviously, it. I mean, they were absolutely all over it because it's, yeah. you know, it's a teen series. Perfect for, for our listenership. So... Um, I, you know, I did a lot of junkets for the film and press conferences and, you know, travelled a bit with it and met the, met the actors and the filmmakers and things. So it really was, you know, I was, I was quite involved with it when it came out to the point where, and, the, and I remember, you know, Twilight fans are passionate and I'm sure a lot of them, even though there hasn't been a new movie for a while, I, I continue to be passionate. But I did a thing once and I got uh, on the radio and I said that um, the actor who plays Bella's dad in the movie, who is called Billy Burke, mm-hmm. I called him Billy Black, who's actually a character from from the, the, the story. Um, and I got it mixed up. And the, uh, the fans were so passionate that uh, they created a Facebook page about how much they hate me because I got that fact wrong, <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, and I love passionate fans. That's, it's brilliant to be passionate about these things, but it was just a real, it was a real insight into at that point in time, the late noughties. So, um, this was around the time of the second film, actually, of New Moon, you know, it shows you just how passionate people were about everything to do with Twilight and, 
um, how much the fans really lived those stories and lived and breathed them and, and were very protective of them. Um, it was, I, I've never seen anything like it, you know, especially because it was more female based. I think, you know, you see a lot mm. of guys into, into certain genres and get very passionate about it. But this was a real, and you know, I know it sounds like a generalization, but you know, it felt like it was much more of a, a female slanted fan base. Um, and my gods, they were just, you know, they were, they think- were so into it. Do you think you would have been cancelled in today's parlance for, for such a... <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was such a horrendous error. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was... Um, you know, the, the thing is that, that I think frustrated me at the time is that I always champion those films. It's kind of like, well, if you're going to have a go at someone about Twilight, at least have a go at someone who hates them and who has slated them. But I'm on the I'm on the DVD cover. I mean, I love these movies. So what are you doing? Uh, but, you know, it's just I'm fascinated by fan bases and um, you see it, you know, with so many different genres of films. But but I'd never experienced anything. The, the only one I, I'd, I'd experienced it a little bit with Serenity and Firefly, you know, the Joss Whedon TV show. um uh, i'd seen it a little bit with that um but but twilight just seemed to be on a whole other level the 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 fanaticism ben you strike me as someone who's more of the twilight age group than myself and james and helen potentially (laughs) is that is that correct and also going back to to the dvd and poster covers as a as a film journalist what ones have you had and what is it like when you you find out you get something as uh well, as prominent as that. It's exciting. I have one on the uh, Spider-Man Far From Home Blu-ray, which I was pretty chuffed with. Uh, it doesn't have my name on it, but it's got uh, my quote from my Empire review on there. And my name is on the back of the Onward Blu-ray for Pixar's, okay. uh, the Pixar film. So I was pretty chuffed with that. It's, it's always nice when you when you get that, um, that little poster quote. Um, in terms of Twilight, I w- fell very, very slightly outside of the age bracket. So this came out when I was in sixth form. And I am like super firm harry potter generation like that was that was everything for me and there was a bit of an overlap but i think because of the slight shift in um in target audience especially as as james said hugely um like female target audience and slightly younger than i was it fell outside of i think i was just too cool for it as a teenager and i did see (laughs) the first film um i haven't seen any of the rest but I have to say, even when I saw it the first time, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it again now. I think it's it's nice that it's getting a bit of a critical reappraisal, especially with obviously R. Pats and Case Stew both are having a lot more sort of cultural cachet now um, than than they ever have done. That I think it it shows even more in a rewatch this first film in particular that the reception it got in some quarters was probably pretty unfair and maybe I don't know slightly misogynistic that people have a, a, a way of sneering at things aimed at, at teenage girls that are actually really well made and and that speak to people in a certain way and um, Twilight was definitely one of those things and I think people gave it a lot of kicking for what it wasn't as a vampire film. And uh, I think it's more than earned its place both as a teen movie and as a vampire film. So um, I'm excited to dig in. Have you seen this before, Helen? I have seen this before. Not when it came out. I think I probably saw it a couple of years after I was reasonably interested in it. Um, Way past the age of its target audience when it came (laughs) out, though. Um, But I... I'm a huge Robert Pattinson fan. When this came out, I probably wasn't. But then he made two films with David Cronenberg and suddenly I became quite interested and 
um, like quite a lot of his films a lot and he is someone who I sort of go out of my way to try and seek films that he does because I think he's really fascinating in his choices and puts in a completely different performance each time and equally Kirsten Stewart I find really interesting I watched Personal Shopper recently and that's that's really interesting and she's so good in it and what I really enjoyed watching it this time round is when they're first getting to know each other they're just fascinating to watch because they're almost like these two animals like sniffing each other out and they can't quite work each other out and the the acting between them and this kind of like otherworldly weirdness going on is really great I really enjoyed it and when it sort of got the film choice that you'd pick this I was like yeah watch watch this again and uh I kind of like it um I think it's too long (laughs) I think it's too long and I think when the plot starts to get a a little bit with the you know with the outside vampires coming in I, I lose it less because I'm more into the relationship between Edward and Bella than I am kind of like you know the auxiliary vampires that come in and cause trouble but um yeah it's a really interesting film and you know it's we kind of take it for granted that you know people like Anna Kendrick and have been around but this was kind of Mm. their their breakout film um so yeah and also I was thinking you know speaking of Keanu Reeves when I was a teen I really loved Bram Stoker's Dracula and you know, there's something about being a teenage girl and sexy vampires and things like that and a bit of, you know, that kind of thing. That's kind of fun when you're a teenage girl. Did that tie in into any way what you're thinking, uh, James? Is Bram, no, Bram Stoker's Dracula isn't on Netflix, is it? It was, um, but yeah. I think it might have gone. Yeah. Well, it, it was mainly a chance for me to revisit something that, you know, I was deep into several years ago, but haven't really thought about because... Mm. It, it 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 burned brightly, but I think it burned quickly, Twilight, and it really just disappeared. And probably because R. Pats and, and K. Stew distanced themselves from it in their follow-up choices, um, it, it did seem to just disappear for a while. But then all those things that I mentioned earlier have sort of brought it back into uh, into all of our minds. Um, so I wanted to revisit it because of that. And the the thing that really struck me watching it and i think this goes back to what ben was saying is that it is not a film for traditional critics um but but what it what it does brilliantly and and in a weird way and i want you to stick with me on this it reminded me of dirty (laughs) dancing in this respect is that it captures feelings brilliantly it's a movie about this girl's feelings it's not about logic and you can pick apart the story. You can certainly pick apart the story of Dirty Dancing. But both of them are about a, a teenage girl falling in love for the first time and wh- how that feels. And both of them are also about how that teenage girl sees other boys her age and thinks, well, they're dicks. Why would I want to go out with them? I want to go out with the suave sophisticated Debussy listening vampire or I want to go out with the more mature sexy dance teacher you know so I think it's brilliant both of those films are brilliant at capturing a 17 year old girl's feelings and emotions and that's not traditionally something that Mm -hmm. middle-aged male film critics are that interested in but of course both of those films as well have this passionate fan base because 
there are a lot of people out there who don't care what middle-aged male film critics think, which is a very good thing. <laughs> and they just went, you know what? This movie spoke to me because I was like that. And maybe I didn't fall in love with a dance teacher or a vampire, but I was that 17-year-old girl uh, feeling those things. And Twilight, certainly the first half of the movie, like Helen said, you know, it really gets that. Um, there is such beautiful awkwardness in this feeling. And I think Kristen Stewart is is you know really shines in this um she's and in all of her films but she is just brilliant at being awkward and just uncertain and kind of you can just see the knots in her stomach and she's just like i don't know what to do i don't know what to say i don't know how to feel and she's so good at that i kind of like and it's like constipation acting though i (laughs) i didn't really buy i don't know sometimes i have a have a tin tin eye or a tin ear for kind of um infatuation and romance <laughs> and it didn't it didn't it just didn't hit the mark for me for, for this and it's i've only seen the I've, i saw the second one first and then went back to to watch this one because my friend said no no the first one's better and i do think the first one's better and i read the book and then i can't really remember what happens in the book specifically but i was like this is quite good actually and then um didn't proceed to watch anything else but the, all the all the all of the saga which i think is a bad word for it saga sounds super boring um it's on netflix and i'm going to watch all the way through now because i think there is something there but the infatuation stuff when you when you talk about dirty dancing i was like yes that's uh, for me that was like that captured that infatuation a lot more roundedly than than in in twilight in this first in this first one for me so um that's kind of that kind of grounded me a bit Kirsten Stewart and Robert Patterson and Anna Kendrick um, are all amazing people. And I, I love the fact that they're doing a lot more stuff out, outside of this. And it goes to show that you don't have to be in, um, you can you can, you can can forge a career outside of, you know, a bubble like Harry Potter kind of forces you into. Because Daniel Radcliffe and um, Rupert Grint guy, I can't remember what his name is. Uh, um, they I don't think they've done that much, but... See, see, Daniel Watson, Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe is is doing a similar thing to our Pats and Case you in that he is like making these weird, random choices. Thinking, I don't need blockbusters anymore. Have you seen the um, Daniel Radcliffe? Yes, the Farting yeah. Corpse film, which is amazing. I haven't seen it yet. Swiss I haven't Army seen Man. it yet, but I know he's he's, he's doing th- things different. But I think I think Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart are doing a better job of it uh, generally. And like, like Helen said, I think those guys, any film that they're doing, makes it like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm interested. And he was great in Tenet. It was great in um, the Safdie Brothers film. Good, um, good time. Yeah. And I saw him in um, High Life recently. And obviously yeah. The Lighthouse and um, Maps of the Stars as well. And also I've, I really, I really film, like yeah. him in Remember Me. I thought he was really good in that as well. Wow, Probably. that's going back a bit. Wow. No one, I mean, no one remembers Remember Me. I can't believe you brought that <laughs> one great. up. It's great. It's such a good film. With I Pierce Brosnan went, as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I always recommend it when people are like, "Oh, I want something to watch on Netflix." I always remember that because recommend that because it's such an unknown film and it's really good. Yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly um, he certainly brings a um, a unique quality, I think, to movies and an eccentricity. And yeah, I suppose perhaps there's a comparison to someone like Johnny Depp when he, you know, Johnny mm-hmm. Depp kind of did it the other way around and that he did the indie movies first and then the blockbusters, whereas R. Pats was the blockbusters and then the indie movies. But it's that kind of thing of, I'm not just a pretty face. I'm more than being incredibly good looking. And perhaps even in my films, I will do as much 
this is outside of the Twilight Saga. I will do as much as I humanly can to make me myself not good looking. Um, just to, just to, re- to remind people that actually I'm an actor, not just a pinup. Um, and I think he's done that really well. And, and, and he's a, a fascinating presence. I can't wait to see what he does with Batman. It's almost like the McConaughey, isn't it? Where um, he was, Matthew McConaughey was kind of pigeonholed as like, get, get your kit off and stand next to a, a pretty woman. And he just kind of went, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, okay, back to my XXL, I'll do that. But, you know, (laughs) other ones I will, I will keep my clothes on and be a good actor, which is, which is great. And it's great to see that he has got depth to him. I I, I never saw the pretty boy aspect, but maybe that's not for me. Um, But people do like love him greatly. And I think, I just, I do think he's a fantastic screen presence um, in this. And and, yeah, I will continue to watch his films. I will say um, to sort of, bring it back to a, a review of this film um, and this is <laughs> this is but, but, but this is it, what was what i found interesting and and actually this is going to sound like i'm, I'm copying helen but this is a, completely what i agreed with the infatuation part that kobe didn't like but which helen and i liked that for me was the interesting thing re-watching twilight that was what i was fascinated mm. by um when it became more of a film about vampires and the, the backstory of the Cullen family. And I guess also knowing what happens in the sequels and how they become very much more embroiled in the history of the vampires and many other characters come into it. I, I did lose interest. I lost interest in the second half of Twilight, but also I lost interest in the series as it went on because it just seemed to lose, to me, what was really fascinating about it in the first place, which mm. was lovesick teenage girl falls for vampire the the single movie little kind of low budget film as it was at the time that's the interesting thing when it becomes the saga and becomes you know breaking dawn part one breaking dawn part two and huge battles and you know all this kind of stuff then i'm losing interest definitely peak for me when uh he shows her what he looks like in the sunlight it's kind of like <laughs> quite bad moment. special effects as well, weren't they? You know, it's not. I mean, the movie's twelve years old, but I know that the. I mean, Catherine Hardwick, who directed this and who directed Thirteen before this, um, which is a brilliant coming of age film, and Nikki Reed, who's in Twilight, was also in 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 uh, Thirteen. I think she was brought on because of the the teenage element, because of the teenage yeah. love story element. Whereas when um, uh, New Moon came out, which was directed by I want to say Paul White, but it might have been Chris White. I can't remember one of the brothers. He was brought on for the special effects because he'd just done The Golden Compass, which was a very special effects heavy movie. And I think what they wanted to do with the second film was play more to the special effects and more to the action, which was more his forte. In the first film with Catherine Hardwick, it's the drama and the emotion that's more her forte. And that's why I preferred the first movie. And I think with the, the the following movies, when the special effects and the action scenes became more of a thing, I was less interested. And I, I do completely, sorry, I'll get to yourself in a second, Ben. Um, one of the films that lots and lots of people lauded and loved to bits was Call Me By Your Name. And I loved absolutely everything about it, but I didn't buy the relationship. Um, that, that is but- everything about it, isn't it? <laughs> No, no, we got this. You got the Italy, you got the Italy kind of scenescape, and you got um, what's his dad. And I love the, I love the kind of like how they got together and stuff. But I, I, I didn't. I was like, really? I'm not sure. really. Um, so for me, I, I can understand that you know people loving that aspect of it. Uh, and I, I, I do think I do have a kind of tin ear for 
for um, relationships and and maybe young love. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> are, what you, it is. are you sort of opening us to uh, opening up to us about something here, Kobe? <laughs> possibly, possibly. <laughs> uh, ben, sorry, what were you going to say? I, I just think it's such an interesting mix of genres, and it, it sort of plays out those genres separately in really interesting ways uh, so obviously as a romance film but as a it's really interesting as a teen movie the way it fits mm. into the sort of teen movie pantheon it is such a teen movie as as james was saying that the like apocalyptic level of emotion in it that everything that like your first love is sex and death and he's undead and you love him and he <laughs> wants to kill you and um it's so such like an angsty teen movie and i think it's so interesting in how it steered the teen movie for such a long time because this was only five years after Mean Girls, which is I think you would think of as the the like the typical, the quintessential like American high school, colourful, snappy, funny teen movie. Whereas Twilight comes along and you're away from the sort of, I don't know, bright, colourful Californian high schools. You're in the yeah. the sort of um is it in Oregon? It's somewhere like foresty and kind of rainy and it's all the feelings and all the emotions and the vampires and not fitting in at school, but in a very different way to a lot of kind of previous teen movies. I think it did something really interesting with that genre. And then obviously the crossover between it being a like a proper teen movie about high school and relationships and also being a YA YA adaptation and what that then did in terms of pushing forward into things like hunger games and mm. maze runner and all of those that, that sprang off the back of twilight it was a real like linchpin film in in so many ways um and as a vampire film as well i think it's interesting because 2008 was the the year of vampire reinvention we <laughs> spoke about the the sparkly arpats which again it's it's not everyone's favorite twist on the vampire law but at the, in the same <laughs> year you had let the right one in uh yeah. And you also had True Blood was 2008 as well. So there were all these sort of different takes on the vampire mythology. And I think there was a bit of a prevailing wisdom at the time that was, Twilight is doing vampires wrong. They shouldn't be sparkly. This is what they should do. And I think now, with a bit of distance, with a bit of remove, you can look back on it and think it was just a take on vampires of what a vampire would be to a teenage girl. And I think it works really well for that. And I think it's no less valid as a as a screen incarnation of of what vampires can be, um, just because it, it was twinkly and a bit more cuddly compared to um, a lot of other previous screen vampires. I like the analogy talking about True Blood. I only, I only saw season one of True Blood. Um, yeah, that's a fair, fair point. And before we get to the scores, I just want to touch on those kind of YA books that came out. Was this the first one? Was it Harry Potter that, that split the final chapter, in final book into two chapters where it was just like... Because I think that was that's where Hunger Games really fell apart for me. Is that the worst book was divided into two, and it was like the worst thing ever. Nothing put puts me off more than having to like go through two two parts. I forgave Marvel for it with the Avengers, but nothing like. What do you mean forgave? That was, that was, <laughs> I, I, I know, but like nothing puts me <laughs> off. Like I was sort of into the idea of Dune, but now I know there's going to be two two halves to it. I'm a bit like. Oh, do I really want to do that? Does it need to be that long? I'd rather get it over with in, in one. I mean, Harry Potter did it first in terms of literally splitting it into part one and part two. And mm. I'm biased, but I think I think that last <laughs> Harry Potter film needed that. I quite like that it basically just le- does most of the plot stuff and then leaves that part two is just a big battle. That's, that's what I wanted. Um, whereas, yeah, it was then, I think then Twilight did it second and then Hunger Games did it after that. And the, both of those final two Hunger Games films, neither of them did 
as well box office wise as the previous two films so that was a point of really like this doesn't work anymore even from a like a <laughs> like trying to get a bit of extra cash at the box office it's not working it's turning audiences off um so i i don't know i haven't seen the rest of the twilight film so i don't know how this sort of fares as a mm. uh split the final book into two films i don't know james so you can probably the- speak to that Maybe it does rely on on the on the source content though, because the I, mean, I know Dune is a huge book, so I can kind of see where that splits into two. I've no at no point am I going to read that book. I can't be bothered. Um, but with the Hunger Games final book, it was just the first two I read within like a, hours of like starting it. But the last book, it took me like a, a few weeks, and it's not a thick, heavy book. I was just bored. <laughs> um, I kind of trudged through it, and that's probably why more than anything that that didn't work. But I know James, you you've seen the final two. You've seen the whole series of Twilight. Yeah, I mean, um, the last one, the Breaking Dawn movies are, are, are I think, uh, completely insane. Um, I've read the plot synopsis. because <laughs> I, I was, I've read all of the synopsis of the further ones. And as you keep going down, obviously, we can't really do any spoilers. But this is nuts. She's like 18 or something by the time of the last book or something. Is that where she gets? And at that point in her life, so much is happening that... Um, it's you should read the the plot synopsis because it is nuts. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> there's a, a very strange sex scene um, between Bella and, and Edward, um, and uh, there's a sort of a, a battle scene with a twist, which is a, a tw- just one twist too far. I mean, you know, if you can't handle a story. If you can't buy into a story that, that a teenage girl would fall in love with a vampire, then I tell you, the twist in the battle scene of Breaking Dawn Part 2 is going to be way beyond you. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I did lose interest in them a little bit, but I don't think that's particularly, I think that's more of a thing about me than 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 Twilight, because I also felt the same with so many other franchises. You know, I'm. it's just like... I, I, the, the deeper it goes into the mythology of all of these stories, and, and um, I would even include that with Harry Potter. Sorry, Ben. Um, you know, it's the, the, the less interested I become. I think I prefer the sort of simplicity of um, the first Twilight movie, especially. I think we we can have a romantic view, and it will always be sold as a romantic view by the film company that it's to do the story justice. I don't <laughs> buy that. It's to make extra money. Um, <laughs> Because film companies, you know, and this is just fact, there's nothing wrong with it, but they rely on these kind of franchises to make a lot of money. Mm. And we get little indie movies from them as well because the franchises have made money. So, you know, it, it, they help everyone out, um, but they don't want to lose their biggest cash cows. Harry Potter made billions for Warner Brothers and uh, Entertainment One did very well out of the Twilight films. They don't want to lose them, so they will string yeah. them out for as long as possible, um, which is why we've now got the Fantastic Beasts spin-off from, from, you know, from Warner Brothers as well. They want to keep it going. Um, so it was no surprise. I mean, you know, it was a surprise when they said they were going to do it, but at the same time, when you think about it, it's not really a surprise that they would try and do that and split a book because it just gives you two films instead of one, and that's two lots of... $500 million instead of one. So it makes financial sense. Because this must be one of the most profitable film series ever because Harry Potter cost a, a, a truck ton to make. But this, in comparison, would have been so, at least especially this film, would have been so meagre in comparison. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I think I, certainly the first one, you know, it was a gamble. No one knew it was going to be big. The books had been successful, yeah. but it wasn't, you know, it, it, in comparison, you look at The Hunger Games or something, I suppose that, you know, that, that was coming a few years into the YA phenomenon, whereas Twilight didn't have that evidence behind it that it was going to work. 
I suppose the movies became more expensive as they went along. But there was a problem with the Twilight movies in that they they, they did make a lot of money, but that there was there was always a cap, there was always a ceiling as to how much they could make because they had they were they were fan films. And with Harry Potter, it's more of a family experience, certainly in Britain as well. It's like mm. a kind of just a feel-good, homegrown, let's all go to the cinema together thing. Uh, I suppose, you know, James Bond might be a bit like that as well. We're just a bit more, it's a bit more cosy and comforting. Whereas with, with Twilight, it was such a, a passionate fan thing. It, it was, the problem with Twilight was, are you going to get people outside of that fan base going to see those films? And that was always the issue with it. The fan base was big, but I don't think they could ever get to people who were just slightly more casual cinema goers. I think evidently with myself, Ben and Helen, we've watched the first one and maybe the second one, but not not, not continued. You were the, the problem, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I certainly didn't go to the cinema to watch it and watched it quite late. But I mean, I guess also with Twilight, they had to move pretty quick on making them because obviously as the fan base gets older, they may no longer have the same passion they had for it when they were 16. Yeah, I mean, it felt like they were one a year. I might be wrong in that, but it's... Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, it it was certainly quite a small amount of time. I think it was maybe 2008 to 2011, 2012, something like that. You know, so it was, was, um, like I said, they burnt very brightly. But as soon as they were over, unlike Harry Potter or even Star Wars, which seemed to have a kind of... Uh, they, the passion seemed to carry on, even though the films had stopped being made. I never really felt that with Twilight. Maybe that's just, a, you know, my own personal experience. But it felt like people kind of went, OK, done now, we'll move on. Um, which is why it's interesting to me that it feels all these years later that there is a bit of a renaissance. Um, anything else, guys, before we head to the scores? Let's do it. Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zolt-Sorstwick. And we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song, Song by, by Song. Song, where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, you might know him for his gravelly voice. <coughs> Very nice. His appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to the uh, Painted Flixwatcher scoring system. All of the scores are out of five and you may have decimal places if you wish. And we'll start with you, James, please, with your recommendability. Recommendability. It's weird recommending Twilight because it just feels that everybody's seen it. It's like a sort of a thing that, you know, it's... it's diff- Actually, my niece, who's who is now 18 herself, so missed Twilight the first time around, is discovering them. So I suppose there is a new audience discovering Mm. the films and and i would recommend certainly i'd recommend this particular twilight movie to teenagers 
And so I'd go with a, a four because I think there's a lot that, you know, we teenagers back in the day enjoyed. And I think that teenagers of this era can still enjoy um, that that kind of passion um, and obsession that we see with Bella doesn't go out of fashion. That's something that's that's universal and, you know, will last for a long time. So they might ch- chuckle at the special effects or the lack of, you know, iPhones. But um, I, I think that there is something at the heart of it that, that you know, can, can last for uh, uh, infinitely, really. Ben? I'm also going to go four because I think uh, James was just saying that uh, well, everyone's already seen it. And I think actually a lot of people haven't seen it, but a lot of people have preconceived notions about what Twilight was that mm-hmm. maybe um, uh, aren't necessarily re- representative, especially of this first film. Um, so I would recommend it to people. I think it's it's time to go back and give it a rewatch and admit that a lot of people were a bit snooty about it at the time, but it, it holds up nicely. And also I think, I genuinely think there is something about watching this film in 2020 we've had a shocking year and this is a film from a much simpler time and there was like a warmth (laughs) and a coziness to it that it was like this this level of on the one hand like i said apocalyptic levels of emotion but at the same time it's 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 quite a safe like unchallenging film that will embrace you warmly in this coldest of years um i I think it's a good film to to revisit now that is not going to demand anything of you uh, and you will probably enjoy more than you think you would helen there's a lot i really like about it but the bit where i think it kind of lost it for me was the baseball game with muse which (laughs) oh i love the baseball game don't have a go at the baseball game that's amazing that bit and I was just you have bit, to lean into the cheesiness. Yeah, I think that then for me, a lot of what I really loved, I was a bit like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. And then that's when the movie takes, that's when the other vampires come in. So I think the key for me is that I don't like any other vampires in it, apart from like the main <laughs> ones, which is kind of hard to take on a thing like this when there's so many other vampires and that revolves around the plot. And the werewolves, like, I'm really into werewolves. It's all about vampires. Um, but I've said before, when they're getting to know each other, it's fascinating to watch them. And she's so they're so awkward. And it's, for me, it's so accurate that they're so awkward. And there's some really funny bits as well where he's he's just, like, told her that he can read everyone else's mind, but he can't read hers. And she's like, oh, does that mean you don't like me? Uh, there's there's so many funny bits that it's so teenage girl like he he tells her that you know he's hundred and something year old vampire and and she's just like oh well what a, you know but do I look okay in my outfit kind of thing and it's so teenage girl and I think those two are brilliant and it's also directed by a woman and there's a really great bit in it where she's just like oh well if you want to go to the prom with the guy then why don't you just ask him. And she goes, I asked him and he said yes and I feel empowered. And it's like, great, more teen films <laughs> should be like this. So there's lots of bits in that. And also, you know, I do feel that this is definitely a film more for women, well, teenage girls. And I don't think teenage girls really get that many films that are interesting and a bit different and appeal to mm-hmm. girls who are into horror, who do find like, vampire is sexy there isn't really much of that so there's a lot going for it and i think it is definitely worth a revisit and i did really enjoy watching it so i'm going to go in the four club as well yeah i'm going to go for four i think it's 
Fine. Um, I think don't write it off. I, I did write it off. Um, hence watching the second film first, because I was like, this sounds, this sounds terrible. Um, but it's not, it's, it's better than the first, it's better than the second film. And I'm quite looking forward to watching the rest of the series, even if it's just to like close that chapter of like, you know, when you haven't seen something and there's all that kind of pressure to like see it out. Um, so even if it just means I've seen them and I, I don't have to revisit them again, that's that's a valid reason to do so. <laughs> but this is good. And please ignore me because I do have a tin ear for, for romance but and and infatuation and uh, relationships like that. But You've just never been me, a teenage really... girl. I think maybe that's it. No, no, but I, I'm saying when, when it hits the mark, like it did, like in Dirty Dancing, I could 100% get behind that. But for this, I just didn't get behind that and some maybe i don't know what it is uh but still four uh ben repeat sorry james repeat boom score um well i mean I, you know i've seen it several times and obviously the the fans have i'm sure have seen this film hundreds of times it was just constantly on i'm sure so it it does bear up to repeat viewing because that uh at the heart of it there is something very classic that doesn't really go out of style and I don't, you know, I, I joked a little bit about the special effects and and the, the the technology. I suppose would look a bit out of date now, but it, you know, it's not it's not about that. Or certainly, the majority no. of the film isn't about that. Um, and when it does become a bit more about the effects and the action, that's when I lose interest. But you know, for the majority of the film, it's not about that. So uh, I think you can easily rewatch it now, and it, and it feels absolutely fine. Nothing is feels too clunky i'm not sure a sexy vampire would drive a volvo but there we go um <laughs> but he knew how to drive it oh it's yeah safe, sure I safe mean, sure. practical car though like dad would be approved of that and i do think that watching it now in the era of someone like billy eilish you can really see the origins you know this was emo era when this came out this was kind of the you know the emo teen movie and you know it's interesting that mm. ben mentioned about mean girls and how much things had moved on and i think that this this really was you know that that it was perhaps a little watered down but it really was the emo teen movie with you know radiohead over the end credits uh and and that that kind of um teenage girl in pop culture is still going and you know billy eilish is kind of the queen of that at the moment but i think you can see the origins of it in in christian stewart um i'm waffling so what i'm saying is the <laughs> The 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 rewatchability. I'd go with four because I think there's there's stuff in there that that you know doesn't go out of style, doesn't go out of fashion, and will be endlessly fascinating. Ben, I'm going to go three. Uh, I'm really glad I revisited it, and I think it's worth a revisit. Um, I am not going to rush out and watch it again, like Kobe said. I think I'm going to probably try and watch the sequels now. They're all on Netflix. It's super easy. Um, but I can see myself coming back to Twilight at some point later in life. I'm, I'm, it's probably not in the next couple of years, but I'm going to go a solid three because I'd, yeah, I'd stick it on again at some point. Helen? Um, it's over two hours, so repeat watching. <laughs> I'd repeat watch like the first part of it more, I think, than the whole film. Um, I did enjoy re-watching it, but it did remind me that once they've kind of got together, it loses a bit of its its fizz and you can see then that they're then setting it up for the sequels, which is less interesting to me. Um, am I going to watch the other ones? Mm, I'm not quite sure. Maybe, but I don't know when I'm going to find the time. Um, two for me on repeat viewing. Yeah, I'm going to go for a one. Uh, four, three, two, one. Wow. So um, I'm, I'm glad to rewatch it and it's, it's spurred my interest to watch the rest of them. 
Um, I can't see them myself watching it that often, and it's one of those kind of tests. So if I if that if I had the time and I was visiting a friend's house and they said, "Hey guys, do you want to uh, watch Twilight?" I'd probably be like, "Not really." Is there anything else? <laughs> you mean you're not going to um, go? If I invited you around and said, "Should we crack open some beers, kick back, order a pizza, and watch <laughs> Twilight?" You would say no. I'm so disappointed. I'd be like Ben. We've got Netflix. There'll be other things to watch. <laughs> Twilight, what, New Dawn is the second one? Yeah, probably. Yeah, the, what was it, Eclipse? New, yeah, um, New Moon is the second one. New Moon, that's it. Yeah. Uh, small screen score, James. Oh, I think it works absolutely fine on the on the small screen. I've seen them on the big screen, but, you know, I don't think, uh, certainly this one, which is more intimate compared to the other ones, I don't think it loses anything. So um, I'll go for another four. Yeah, I'm going to go four as well. I thought it had a really nice cinematic quality to it. But as I said before, there was a real warmth and a coziness to it um, that I quite appreciated in my in my living room. So, yeah, I go for a four. Helen. Um, I don't know what would add to my enjoyment having seen it on a cinema other than our pats being sparkly a bit bigger than my TV screen. what about Muse during the during the baseball oh, scene? That song's loud. Black that is- song's loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, it needs to be, it's great loud, isn't it? It is. Um, yeah, I don't know what cinematic, but I, I certainly wouldn't go and do like a Prince Charles marathon um, with this. Um, I'll get a five. I think it kind of works, and I think the special effects. Are probably suited probably to a, a, a TV size screen. <laughs> I think for me, I enjoyed watching it at home the same time I did the first time around. So five. Yeah, I'm going to go five as well because I wouldn't have seen True Blood in the cinema, and I think True Blood does better with the effects sometimes than, than Twilight does. Um, so for me, that's very televisual, and I think this is te- televisual as well. Um, engagement score, James. Um. Four and a half. Four and a half? Four and a half, yes. Um, I think that, you know, I I lost interest towards the end of the film. And it's difficult knowing the other films and also how I lost interest in them. It's difficult to kind of forget (laughs) that when I'm re-watching this. Because it's kind of like, well, this can be as good as it wants to be. But I know that I didn't like the other so much. So that does tarnish it a little bit. But um, no, I was incredibly engaged. And I think it's incredibly engaging performances. And I don't think we should forget that, you know, it was a phenomenon for a reason. It's not It's not a phenomenon just because people were told that it was going to be a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon because people latched onto it. They were literally engaged with it. Um, yeah. And, that you know, it felt that it spoke to them. And there have been other attempts at YA franchises that haven't done that. Not everyone worked. Um, And uh, this worked for a reason. And I don't think we can do down the uh, impact of Robert Pattinson and and Kristen Stewart in in why it worked and how good they were. It It feels a little depressing for me to watch it now. And you look at all these names... Certainly, like I said, I was quite involved in the junkets and things and people like Cam Gigande and um, uh, Nikki Reed and Taylor Lautner and Kellen Lutz and all these people who are the supporting cast. And they were like the next big thing. I remember thinking, mm. wow, they've got a huge career ahead of them. Jackson Rathbone, he's going to be the next big thing. You know, they were all like stars in the making. And now you look back at them and go, God, I forgot about them. It really was only, well, Anna Kendrick as well, I suppose, you know, R. Patson and 
and uh, Kristen Stewart who found um, real fame afterwards. But, you know, they are so good. I'm not going to do them down for that. I think they're brilliant at it and I think they continue to be brilliant. Ben? Uh, I'm going to go four for my engagement score. I, uh, yeah, was just really engaged most of the way through. I think, um, like we said, it sort of tails off a little bit when the other vampires come into play. But when it's the two of them, these two, like, really charismatic actors playing off against each other. And um, I just, I really love teen movies anyway. So uh, that (laughs) world is always something that really captures me. So four stars for, for engagement. And Helen? I'm I'm going to go a little bit lower. Uh, three three point five for me. I as I say I love kind of the first half. The second half less so. And I did use that time for a little bit of reading up on the plot and finding out what happened in the. What have I just seen? Is that what you? I mean, reading up on the plot just, for, was, for the future. I was films. just like, why? I couldn't remember why these three vampires were in it that I couldn't remember. I could remember like the the werewolves and the family, and I'm like, oh, why are these three? And then I read it and it, it, it basically drives the kind of the plot for the next million films. Um, yeah, I, it's just the first the first hour is like completely my attention. And the rest after that, when it's they start trying explaining the, the werewolves, how the werewolves come into it, I'm a bit less engaged. Did, did you find yourself like Bella just at one point just googling vampires <laughs> <laughs> look it up on google who knows it might be on there I, I was thinking then was google less well developed because she had to go to a bookstore uh to find out about them exactly didn't she and it's a very special book though that she got it was it was I mean sometimes they, they haven't been scanned in yet have they um I'm gonna go for a bit lower a three I was like oh, it's, good. it's good it's good it's fine it's fine um but yeah I I'll, I'll see how the rest of the season. I'll, re, I'll see how the rest of the series to, for completeness' sake. But um, engagement was a bit low as it went through on. So that gives us an overall score of three point six eight seven five zero. It's a bit lower than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a bit more of a, of a loving. But guys, thank you very much, James. You've got a book out. Can you tell us a bit more about that before we before we before we say sayonara to the fans? Yes. Um, yeah. Be more Keanu, um, which ties in nicely with the release of uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Twenty nine years yes. since bogus journey wow we've all been waiting a long time for this third movie um can we call it a saga is it like is it like twilight is it a saga saga's a holiday for like people over 70 isn't it so can we not use saga when we talk about yeah yeah i don't think bill and ted's a saga um i the the book i call the book cinema therapy because it's sort of if you want i'm certainly if you want a book about keanu reeves and you want a book about his movies um absolutely it's biographical in that respect but there is definitely a therapeutic element to it. There is definitely a self-help element to it. Um, there are things that I think we can all do and think about in the way that Keanu Reeves has in his life and in his movies. You know, he's for me, he's someone who just sort of uh, radiates authenticity in his choices, in his life choices, in his movie choices. And I think that's something we can all learn from. So uh, it is hopefully funny, but... Um, also, you know, and I've got this from people who've read it as well. They went, yeah, it's funny, but it's actually kind of surprisingly calming and insightful and, yeah. and thoughtful. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's cinema therapy. So watch it if you're a film fan, but watch it if you want something, read it if you want something therapeutic as well. Yeah. And where can people buy that? Oh, I mean, it's all everywhere. Yeah. So I mean, it's, you know, it's it's Amazon and Waterstones and, and all the usual places. So Yeah, I've got it on my Kindle, which is, which is a bit of a shame because I love it when there's a book 
yours your book looks great and yeah the, the illustrations are really good yeah a friend of mine did the illustrations and the design of it as well um uh, Anna did the design and Kate did the illustrations and you know that she uh, they both really went for it uh, which I'm yeah. really pleased to see there's some lovely sketches in there that really help the the text come to life and who did the because the gifts are around as well the gifts on even on Instagram the be more Keanu We'll try and we'll try and make one for this. They're, they're based on the illustrations in the book, and yeah. um, you know, I, it was really it was just from writing a lot about Keanu on Instagram and think and discovering that there aren't that many exciting gifts of him. Um, there's loads of gifts for his film Destination Wedding that he did, which is on Netflix that he did with Winona Ryder. <laughs> that's not a great film, and I'm like, well, why are there loads of Destination Wedding gifts? Let's get some Matrix mm. gifts out there, and Bill and Ted, and you know, um, him playing bass guitar. So. Um, uh, yeah, we got those mocked up and um, uh, stuck them on Instagram. So I think he's, you know, that, that because he's looked like so many different characters, he, you know, he's had the long hair and the beard, he's had the buzz cut, he's had the Bill and Ted look, uh, he's had the Matrix look. There are so many different styles with him that it really worked visually um, for all those illustrations. Um, ben, who are you? I am me. I am at Ben S. Travis on Twitter. Um you can read my writing on empireonline.com and you can hear me doing other pod things on the Empire podcast. Well, thank you very much, guys. Thanks, James, for bringing uh, Twilight to the table. And uh, got to say goodbye now. Thanks, Thanks everyone. Lovely to see you. Thanks so much. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood R O K K Wood audio tell them flicks what sent you you just heard a stripped media production <laughs>